0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Tonight's guest, we're going to have Josh from Outdoor Limits, so it's going to be a good one. Super excited for it. He is um, one of my good buddies and YouTuber as well. You guys know him as Outdoor Limits. Um, Also, newly, he has a podcast, the Outdoor Limits podcast. Um, So definitely check out his, his media sources as well. You guys won't be disappointed. But before we jump into today's podcast... Let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Onyx, guys, it has been a game changer, and I know that's a, <laughs> it's a uh, commonly used phrase nowadays, but for real, this thing has changed the way that I scout and hunt in a very positive way. Um, I was just out scouting some marshes, putting out some points and um, some waypoints, and, and just getting out there and scouting, man. You can drop points. You can see the map. You can download it offline we had no cell service so that was a that was awesome for that as well um but you know probably the most common thing i use it for is out there when you're trying to get permission on a private spot it gives you the landowner's address you can go out there you see their tax information and then the address that it's registered to you can go to their house knock on the door you might not always get a yes but at least you know and you can find them right away so um check them out guys apple phone android phones on the web they all link together um, on X hunt also like to give a big thanks to motion ducks gone are the days of just using a jerk rig this thing is a jerk rig on steroid it breaks down in just in literally seconds folds together the same way easy put it out in the spread if you have the water looking like glass we know the birds aren't going to finish through that so you give that thing a, a jerk and you got ripples all through your set so um, they have two options the four bird Spreader and then the ultimate spreader with seven ducks. Um, it does the job. Elliot has data from the freelance hunt stats that that shows that he kills more more birds on no one days using the motion duck. So um, definitely check them out, guys. Code is duckgun10 for 10% off and free shipping. Also, like to give a big thanks to Banded Avery and Greenhead Gear guys. It's it's season's coming in hot and it's time to put together your list of the items you need going into season they are the one-stop shop for hunters from the camel from the dog training gear to the waders to the decoys they got it all elliot and i've been running their stuff for the past few seasons and man we love it it's all quality and awesome gear check them out guys banded.com lastly guys hitting up the Patreon. Um we really appreciate all you guys. It's been growing like crazy over there. Um we got the the hunt giveaway coming up where Elliot and I are gonna draw someone from from that group and have them come hunt with us and we're super excited about it. Um, not only that but we put tons of extra content out there from podcasts. Uh we we released your early release our youtube videos over there and also combine that with freelance hunt stats if you're over there on patreon then you get a free account over there at freelance hunt stats so um check them out guys patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting you won't regret it Alrighty, let's go ahead and get josh and josh in here and we'll jump right into the podcast hey guys i'm jordan fromer i believe in hunting hard hunting smart and having a fun time while doing it And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got Josh from OutLimit. Josh from Outdoor Limits <laughs> <You>
1: <laughs> with never, me tonight. You always butcher everybody's <laughs> I, I, name. Uh.
0: I don't know what it is. Intros, man. Intros are are hard for me to do. But um, we got Josh with us tonight, and it is not his first time on the podcast. We've had him on, had him on many, many times on the podcast. So, um, excited to have you on again, Josh, and, and talk about you know everything we got going for off season this year, and and you know some other stuff. It is. I don't know if you know this, but it's t minus fifty five days from right now till till early season. So the countdown is, is on. Number one, September one. Yep.
1: Mm. I I haven't thought about that. Wow. <laughs> That's close, That's right?
0: Close. Yep. That'll get you excited. So what what you've been up to, man?
1: Oh, you know it's it's been a busy summer for me, honestly. I haven't gotten to do a whole lot of stuff that I really wanted to do. But uh, main projects for the summer have been, number one, is my dog. For those of you guys who don't keep up with what I'm up to, um, I got a puppy back in January, and uh, we've been training. And it's going good. We're on week 23 of training right now. So we've been at it for quite a while. We're finally... Kind of into the gun dog skills, which is really fun. So um, we didn't even start retrieving until week eighteen of training. So it's it's been fun working with her. Uh, I kind of like to call it my daily dose of crack because <laughs> it's addictive. Jordan, you know what I'm talking about? Like it, it's just like addictive to train your dog.
0: I do. I I do know what you mean. Um, I definitely. Uh, you know, I definitely took a different route than you did by like I literally like just didn't train my dog at the start which is terrible. Don't ever do that. You're doing it the right way. Um super impressed honestly with with the progress you're making with her. I mean, you're you're sending Marco Polos today, you know, and and other, you know, all the time you're sending them of her and she's just like a little pup, man. She's so tiny and she's already <laughs> already doing all this cool stuff and it's like, man, um gives me inspiration for when I get my next dog cuz I'll do it <laughs> I promise myself. I'm going to do it right next time.
1: It's a lot of fun and, uh, it, it's a lot of work. There's more frustration in a session than, uh, happiness, but, you know, the happiness really outweighs all the frustration. And, you know, I, I think it comes back down to the, the age of my dog. I mean, she's only seven months old. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's still got a lot of puppy energy in her. She gets distracted easily. So it's hard to kind of keep her focused on things. But, um, we this week started working on, um, Lining memories. So we're taking her and doing some longer retrieves because up until this point, we've only done hand thrown 20 yards away.
0: Yeah. So
1: now, today, we worked our way back to 80 yards, was our last successful one. We got to 90 and the wheels fell off. So we kept pushing <laughs> back in after that. But um, I think that was the one that I sent to you guys. I was like, man, <laughs> we're at 90 yards. This would be great. She just crushed the first two this is the third one but then it was just she got distracted it's been fun i'm looking forward to uh all the future stuff with her and getting her out hunting but
0: yeah if you think the training's addictive just wait till you get to the actual hunting so i do want to prefix that i did train chief eventually i just didn't start when he was a pup because i had no idea what to do like i was barely even a waterfowl hunter um at that point so but I, i trained him eventually so you think like the addictive part is training, man. Just wait till you get in the hunt. Like, your heart's going to swell when she gets her first goose, when she gets her first duck, okay. when she gets her first band. Like, there's always those huge milestones for your dog. And, um, man, like, I always say this. For people that don't have dogs, I just feel like they're missing so much of waterfowl. Like, if you guys don't have a dog in your hunter, I mean, it is it is still ducking. I'm not taking anything away from what you do. But there's just, there's just this added bonus of having this companion that goes – goes with you they're always as excited for you as you are to go on the hunt with you they're always as excited to do whatever you want to do it's like hey you want to go like you're you you do not have to ask your dog that they just come with you so um nice. it's you know it's just awesome to have that companion that's always there for you <laughs> whenever you want to hunt and yeah. you know and the thing about a hunting dog man they bring you back ducks. so like anybody who has a dog it's like a hunting dog's cooler
1: <laughs> oh yeah i i didn't think i'd be so into it as I am now. Um, it's just there's something about it. You build that relationship with the dog, you progress with them through the training program and you just put so much time into them. You get so attached. Like, you know, I, I always thought it would be fun it'd be fun to have like a dog as a pet and whatnot. But now that I'm training my hunting dog, we're building that relationship and really just working towards the end goal of having a hunting dog. Yeah. And It's a lot of fun, but, um, I never thought like I'd enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah.
0: And kind of to add on that bond you're talking about, man, it's like when you get out in that marsh, man, like sometimes things get intense, like you're trudging around, you're shooting birds, everything's going a mile, like a mile a minute and you lose one into the brush and you're, you're running over there with your dog and you're, you're searching frantically. And then here comes your dog, like with the, the amazing retrieve, just popping out. And like, there's just so much joy and excitement when you, when that happens.
1: It's just like, I felt that today, man, when we were training, I, uh, I threw a mark for and so we were in a, a tall grass field with a strip mode in it. And so I tossed that bumper. I was trying to get it to go really far and my throw wasn't very accurate. So it went off to the left into the thick brush and so I thought about not sending her on it, but I wanted to see what she would do. Cause she's never had a, a chance to go and make a retrieve in thick brush. So I sent her over there. She went out on a line right to where it was, but she stayed in that mode strip and started looking. And I was like, go left, go left. We haven't gone over hand signals yet. So I was just kind of <laughs> using my hands and, Making that gesture for her to where in the future, she kind of, okay, he's done this before. And when I went over that way, he he led me to the bumper. So I was just kind of giving her a signal to go that way. She went in there and it was like time stopped. <laughs> it's like, I cannot see my dog. She's in there hunting or doing, I don't even know what, because it was kind of like at the top of a hill. So she could have gone down the back side of the hill to where I couldn't really see her. But then she just popped right out with a bumper in her mouth, came trotting back to me. It, it was so cool. Like, you just have to trust your dog. It's, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so much fun, like you said. And then, like, the further you get along, man, it's just like, they're so, like, dogs are so unbelievable, man. They just are. Like, and then it still just amazes me, like, what they can do with their noses and finding everything. It's just like, it's just, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's the crazy. Thing is,
1: the thing is, at least in my experience, I didn't get it. I didn't care that much about it. But now that I've got my own dog, I totally get it. And it makes so much sense to me why people are so like, <laughs> I love hunting with a dog. Yeah. And what dogs do is super cool because my point of view before I got a dog was like, okay, yeah, your dog will find your ducks or go out and pick them up and bring them back to you. But when you put in all the work, you build that relationship and then you do that. And then they go on these amazing blind retrieves. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, it just means that much more. So um, I, I know you've talked about this a little bit too, but like um, you said, she's seven months. So that's going to put her at like nine months at the start of season. So partway through, um, you, are. You, what, what are your plans as far as um, getting her on hunts?
1: So in the training program, we're on week 25. So I've skipped one week. So the first two weeks of the program, I packed into one week. And then there was another week that I just got approval to skip and just revisit the material later, which basically all we were covering was getting your dog to jump into a dog stand for a week. So um, we skipped that. We still haven't gotten a dog stand yet, but we'll get one. So we're on week 25. We need to pass week 36 for her to be ready to hunt
0: and that's like per the gundog academy standards or whatever
1: that's what they've been telling me is the general rule of thumb is once you get to that week 36 point you've covered the material that you need to know or your dog needs to know to be able to go out and pick up those birds and bring them back on simple marks so you're not going to be doing any hand signals or crazy blind retrieves it's going to be basic shoot Shoot the 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 bird and Duck falls in the water and the decoys. So you're the dog.
0: so you're on week twenty five and you got to get to thirty six. So you got so we have
1: eleven weeks to go.
0: Eleven weeks to go, and that's like yep. if you stay on track and all that. So we said we have fifty five days. I'm going to do the math real, real quick. Fifty five days. So Here, <laughs> so that's eight weeks. Um, i mean, one day short of eight weeks, and then you would have twenty one days left so that'd be three more weeks so um yeah i guess you know you would be right in there about uh, before your opener really if you wanted to you know
1: well, we, sh- we should be ready to go by october but here's the thing is i want to be very methodical about when i don't want to be jumping the gun to get her out mm-hmm. because i want to make sure it's the right op, like the right time and place and hunt for her because I don't want to take her out on some banger shoot where we shoot 42 geese. Yeah, yeah, It's not the right place for a pup who's never hunted before. So I I think my plan is I'm going to get her out but I'm only going to get her out maybe three or four times this season. We'll see how it goes. But if she's completely killing it on her first two hunts, yeah, I'll probably want to take her out more. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to... instill bad habits in her from these hunts that are going to be difficult to correct later. Yeah. No, I I definitely hear you on that. It's basically, this will be her season to just kind of introduce her to it, to where it's nothing incredibly new to her next year, but it also give us a uh, time to finish out her training to where she's finished out. And then next year she's (laughs) going to be ready to go all the time. So it's an investment mentality, you know, it's so easy to want to take your dog out and get him to go hunt. But, you know, I think just introducing it to her this year and then hunting her next year is going to be the best thing to do.
0: Yeah, you definitely, you know, like you said, a lot of people want to jump right into it and I can see that, man. It'd be, it's super hard when you have your dog right there and you're hunting and you just want to like, you just want to grab him and go, you know, but, uh, you definitely sounds like you're being wise about it and kind of taking your time um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like after you take her on that first hunt and she just kills it, you know, <laughs> it's going to be, oh. it's going to be a hard not to, but you know, it's like almost like the, the best solution and stuff like that. As long as you know, she's steady. It's like, you take her on like your solo hunts. Cause you do a lot of solo hunts. Right. And that's something that's yes. super controlled environment. Um, it's not going to be guns a blazing. You're going to be like shooting one bird at a time, you know?
1: Well, I think what I'm going to do is on her first hunt, I'm not going to bring my gun. Mm -hmm. so i will have one other person come they will shoot and i will handle the dog the whole time yeah so then you know the dog is my main focus and i'm not distracted and she breaks and you know i i want to make sure everything's correct the first time so then we can keep having it be correct but um, yeah, I, I just want to take her out a couple of times, introduce it to her, and then work on finishing out her training through the season, which might be a difficult thing to do. It's probably going to slow down quite a bit with the training, but um, we'll we'll keep at it because we'll be on track to finish it out. Um, It's just kind of like a, I feel this rush to get her past that 36-week mark Yeah. for something this year.
0: Yeah, no, I but definitely after,
1: after that 36-week mark, it's like, okay, well, it's, it's going to be hunting season. Mm-hmm. You know, we've kind of gotten to the point where I can take her, you know, maybe we'll do one week of training in this, in the program over two weeks, you know, yeah. that kind of just depending on how much time it is. But mm-hmm. I, don't know. I feel I feel like I can make a lot of time to train her. Awesome. Yeah, it
0: does get, it definitely gets difficult during seasons. So I know, especially with an older dog. I don't, I don't <laughs> mess around with it as much. You know, I, I kind of always gear it towards the end of season, getting him all freshened up and all that. But, um, You know, with a younger dog, you definitely have to take it a little different because all of a sudden something can happen. It's like you just need a little training session to kind of fix it right away during season to keep it keep it rolling. So. But yeah, a lot of fun there.
1: It'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing the videos. It's like you said, when you have a dog and you see someone else doing dog work, you understand you've been there, you've done that. And so, you know. Ever, like the joy and all that that they're going through, and the excitement and all that and <laughs> it's just I love hunting dogs man i I just do, so I meant to do this kinda of at the beginning, but to give people a little like a little update on you, obviously, I said at the beginning, Josh from outdoor limits, but also something new you got is the outdoor limits podcast i want i want say something on that too um I just listened to the one you did with your dad, and I think that was a that was a really Really cool episode. So I like that one a lot. <laughs> you guys haven't heard it yeah. yet. Jump over there. Um, you did one talking about kind of how you got in the outdoors um, and all that stuff kind of with your dad. So that, that was a cool episode.
1: That was a fun one to do. It was special. Um special. Just getting my dad involved. I mean, he's never really been involved in what I do. So yeah, was happy to hop on a podcast. And that was fun.
0: Yeah, it was cool. I was going to say, like, I haven't seen him on any videos or really. There hasn't been a lot. As far as I know, I can't remember any of your content that I've seen your dad in. So that was like the first piece, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think he's been in one video. Okay. Of his last spring when I was cooking a turkey breast. Nice. Nice.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I guess kind of, you'll kind of tell us a little bit about your podcast, what you got going
1: on with that. Our podcast is a waterfowl hunting podcast. It really doesn't have much of a sense of direction. Most of the time, we like to kind of take stuff from the facebook group that we have where people ask questions and then we kind of turn those questions into podcast topics and talk about things so that's always fun but it's going to be i want to say it's probably pretty similar to this podcast but different yeah. people yeah but it's it's fun i mean it it's a different way to have content coming out oh yeah i never really know what we're going to talk about but generally it's going to be outdoors related we did have a beer drinking one one time where we tried a bunch of really cheap beer yeah i think, yeah it was <laughs> really bad nice yeah <laughs> yeah I, I like to keep it fun keep it keep it light and just kind of chit chat and include everybody in the community and i'm kind of thinking some of a fun idea to do i think levi mentioned this was to get like three guests in a podcast but the guests are from the Facebook group. So we just get three random followers to hop on the podcast and interview them for 15 minutes each. There you go.
0: Yeah. I def- think that'd be fun. Yeah, definitely a unique idea there for sure. So how, how do you feel like the, and obviously you've been doing the the YouTube stuff for what, like five years now or something, something along those lines. Has it been that long?
1: <laughs> I don't even know. But it's been the the channel was created in 2014.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess you were you were making fishing content. The Kansas yeah. Fisherman, right? Kansas Fisherman One. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Um <laughs> But how how do you think the the podcast compares to like making your YouTube content? You know, you see a lot of similarity in it. You do you enjoy one over the other?
1: It's so much easier. <laughs> it is so much easier. Yeah. Like I don't stress if I miss a podcast post. Like it is what it is. People just stay tuned for the next one. But um, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy being able to talk longer. I've noticed like in our Marco Polos, everybody talks really long because we're YouTubers and we talk a lot <laughs> Yeah, because we're so used to having to hit that 10 minute mark on a video to monetize it. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's fun to be able to just have a longer format of content to uh, talk about stuff. <clears throat>
0: yeah i think I think it's definitely a unique uh form of content as well from the from the podcast or from the youtube stuff um it just is an easier way to it's less condensed right so it's easier to get your point across and and have debates and all that and, and you know in a friendly and fun way and you know I like to rag on Matt as much as I can too it's kind of a a focal point of my podcast but
1: <laughs> yeah and you can get special guests on and interview them. I think it's great. I started listening to podcasts a lot uh last summer when I got my new truck where I was able to plug my phone in. So um yeah. started to love listening to podcasts and it's fun. I enjoy it. And if you guys enjoy this podcast, leave us a rating.
0: <laughs> yeah, leave leave five, Josh a rating five, too.
1: <laughs> five stars. Yeah. Because this is the best podcast <laughs> out there. Alrighty. <laughs> Um, yeah podcasts are fun check us out outdoor limits podcast and uh go ahead and join the facebook group it's a lot like fellowship of the duck guns but different people yeah yeah definitely i basically copied jordan's idea so
0: (laughs) you know i'm i'm you know i'm not the the i don't have a monopoly on facebook groups or podcasts i i don't hold nothing
1: yeah it's like the Facebook group is so much more fun than like my Facebook page because my Facebook page only has like 5000 followers on it and like zero interaction from anybody when I post something. But the Facebook group, there's only like 700 people in it and it's been popping and everybody's posting stuff.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's and cool. it's going to keep popping more cuz this is the about the time of year where everybody shows up from the woodworks in July. It's like everybody remembers what waterfowl hunting is. It's like it hits March 1st and everybody's just like puts their gun up. They, they hang their calls on the wall. They don't think about duck hunting and all of a sudden July hits and people are starting to chomp at the bit a little bit more. So we've seen that, you know, in our podcast group too, um, where they just, everybody kind of seems more interactive, right, right around July and and building into season. So this is the part of the season that, that really the, the fun starts to ramp up with all that kind of stuff for sure. Oh yeah.
1: YouTube, YouTube too. Yep. But the thing is with YouTube is like July and August are great months to be posting content, but it's hard to think of good content because it's July and August.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There's definitely some issues that run into that, and like you said, doing it for five, you know, going on five years now or whatever, um, it's it's like how many topics have you not hit up, you know? <laughs>
1: That's my problem now. Is I haven't posted like any waterfowl related stuff since the end of season, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, we just need September first shooting doves, shooting teal, early geese. You have early geese yeah. in Kansas.
1: We don't have early geese, but Missouri does.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, you can shoot the early teal because you guys sure got a heck lot of those. So. Yeah, um, well,
1: the thing is, early goose season in Missouri is in October.
0: Oh yeah, huh? that's weird
1: <laughs> yeah
0: not as helpful um no. but but uh you know kind of kind of switching switching subjects here a little bit you know um we got we got another uh boat addict in, yes in the podcast i'm
1: a boat hoarder as people have called me
0: nice what is do you have a like how many boats do you have
1: um Well, I gave one of my kayaks to my buddy Blake, which my wife claims I gave it to him. I claim that I let him borrow it for a long period of time. (laughs) Um, So that was my Discovery 119. Uh, I've got two Old Town Topwater 120s. One's a pedal drive version. One's a regular. I've got a beaver tail final attack with a six and a half horse long tail. And then I've got my big 16 foot boat with the surface drive
0: nice nice so you're right you're right there with me um there's a lot of fun man i'm like i honestly i just love duck hunting boats at this point just every single one is different i
1: i won't probably go back to a kayak unless it's a motorless area i'm going to Mm -hmm. and i will take my boat with my kayak in it to that motorless area (laughs) it's Just just because
0: yeah yeah, Have you been able to take that in any of the the big marshes yet, just to, to cruise around? I know you've done some scouting, but I'm, I guess I don't know exactly where you were at.
1: No, actually, I've never dropped the boat in, in a marsh. Um, most of the marshes are dry, and most of the marshes are motorless. And there's only one that I can think of that'll be holding water right now that allows boats but there's no motorized boats allowed until season starts. Mm. So there's really no marshes that I can really drop the boat in at this point. But there's reservoirs, and I go cruise the reservoirs, and I found a sweet-looking little back cut in the reservoir. It looks pretty sweet. I've never seen it before. So it's always been a spot that I look on the map and look at, I'm like, that looks like a pretty good spot to go. Yeah. And uh, it's just a longer drive to get back in there and in my little beaver tail that i had last year there's no way i would go i rolled over so many stumps with my boat <laughs> that it would have been sketchy in the beaver tail oh yeah yeah last year when i was taking the beaver tail for a test drive i got hung up on a stump. oh yeah high <laughs> that's yeah that was scary
0: that's scary cool. yeah big water all that out there alone
1: well this was in a river. And I didn't know how deep it it was, so that was a little scary. But um, yeah, I got high centered on that. It was a little spooky because it's a, the beaver tail is only like eight feet long, mm-hmm. and like forty eight, fifty inches wide.
0: What are they? What are they rated for for weight?
1: Like how many pounds can you put in them?
0: Yeah, yeah, because that usually that's a indicator of stability too.
1: I think Coast Guard rating was like or 500 pounds
0: okay that's not bad for that little boat then
1: oh it's really stable it's just a little rickety when you get a high center on a tree stump that you can't see underwater
0: <laughs> how'd you get off you just
1: you just kayak let her eat. <laughs> push pushed myself off of the kayak paddle yeah man
0: yeah because
1: i wasn't wanting to play with that long tail and really find my way into the water oh yeah I hear but, you in that. Yeah, I got, the, got the big boat this year. That was a big purchase and one that I've wanted to do for a long time.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's definitely going to pay play, pay dividends this season. <laughs> getting out to all those spots, going long distance, being able to to get into all those spots you couldn't get previous years. It just for me, it just feels like it opens up so much more access and just makes it getting in there a lot easier. So you kind of cover more oh, yeah. ground.
1: It's going to be fun, too, and being able to just hunt out of the boat and enjoy myself versus other methods of getting to a spot and then being miserable and cold.
0: Mm -hmm. Because like
1: in the boat, you can bring all the luxuries. Like You can bring a cooler with food and snacks and and hot beverages. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to cook. Cooking is always a mess. Um,
0: Dude, I cook all the time. I love cooking when I hunt.
1: You like cooking?
0: Uh, I do it all the time.
1: I've done it. I don't think I want to do it again. It's just messy. I'm, rather... bringing,
0: I'm bringing the grill on the collab when we hunt. <laughs> I'll make you okay. a believer.
1: Yeah, I just I'd rather just pack some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a hot thermos of coffee and some snacks.
0: Yeah. Do the thing about cooking breakfast when you hunt is even on a bad hunt it makes it like a better hunt. <laughs> you could be getting skunked, but you're there. Scrambling eggs, making burritos. It's just like for me, it's almost like another part of the hunt. I don't know. I enjoy it's I enjoy good, making breakfast.
1: It's a good day for me when you know you're just out and it's not super crazy cold and you're having an enjoyable hunt where it's not cold, but mm-hmm. it's cold enough where there's action gonna happen. But even if it's like a slow day, nothing's going on, it's just I enjoy being out there and it, it makes me happy just to get out and drive the boat around. Oh yeah. that That's really all it does. All that it does for me, <laughs> you know?
0: Yep. Oh yeah. I hear you. Um, so kind of the main, you know, main topic that we talked about talking about and that we kind of got carried away talking about all the updates, but um, we want to talk about some of the pet peeves of hunting. So there's a lot, there's a lot out there. Um, I'm sure you've experienced them. I've experienced them. Um, and we actually, there was a, a post up there on Facebook, and I snagged some of them because I thought they were just too good. So I'll share mine to start with, but um, my pet peeve I put in was that you get up super early, you get to your spot, your first one there, you realize nobody else is at the spot, you're set up way before shooting light, and then 10 minutes before shooting light, you hear the little motor putzing towards you, <laughs> And they set up like a hundred yards away. Nothing. I mean, you're sick to your stomach when that happens, because even at that point, if you go talk to them, like you're going to miss out on first first light birds and all that. So, um, and usually they're going to be a jerk or who knows. It, it's just happened all too much. That's the that is my number one worst feeling in duck hunting when someone comes up and sets up too close to you, and you you feel like like before that, like I'm I, I'm guilty of this. All the time. I'm like supremely optimistic. I'm like, this hunt's gonna be awesome and all that like who knows? It could have been a terrible hunt, but that's your thought, right? And then they come and set up right next to you and it like just crushes that right then and there. So
1: um Oh yeah. I've had that happen a lot of times. But I think the biggest thing you can do is make your presence known to them. Because I mean, I've had times where I roll into the marsh and like I mean, it's not super late in the morning, but I mean it's getting there. And uh, you know, people don't shine their headlamps or yell at me when i'm getting close to them or things like that so Uh you know you can't complain if you don't let people know where you are yeah so that's a big thing but i've also had it happen where people set up close and uh i I still my birds and they don't shoot anything because they don't really have an understanding of what a a good hide looks like Mm -hmm. so you know i've had it happen but yeah yeah that that can be a bit we, annoying.
0: We had on the club two years ago, not last year's club, the club before it was me, Elliot and Titus. And we set up on this corner. I don't remember if you paddled in with us. I think that was the day you're in Nebraska. Um, uh-huh. and we literally, we busted up a bunch of birds. So we set up on this corner and no joke. Someone came in like 20 minutes before shooting light. And like, we were on the bend, the bend curved around and they were behind us. Like, I mean, it was like 120 yards. So, I mean, borderline. I don't like when people set up that close to me. I don't set up that close to people. You know what I mean? Um, and they oh, were, wow. they were shooting birds and we kind of weren't. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> that made it a little bit worse. So it like, man, I don't know if our, if a, what it was, if it was our set our hide or whatever, but they liked their set a little bit better. Um, and Elliot even went and talked to them right away and, and, uh, they weren't the most polite, uh, of people. So, you know you, you can get it both ways you can get it a, a lot of different ways so um you want me to read some of these off or you kind of got one off the top of your head and you want to add in a pet peeve
1: oh I, one pet peeve is when you know you're hunting with a big group of guys and you're using all of your own stuff and things don't get put back in the right in the right order mm that frustrates me. So I'm very <laughs> meticulous. Yeah, yeah. To an extent.
0: Did that? Did that happen so like, on the the goose hunt collab last year?
1: Yeah, I lost a, a decoy base. Really? Probably still last year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's no fun, for sure.
1: No, but like you have, like I've got two dozen flocked head mallards, and I've got two dozen not flocked head mallards. And when they all get mixed up and jumble, oh man, that drives me nuts. Yeah. Because I want to have like whatever came in that twelve pack box in one twelve slot bag. Mm-hmm. So if there's like too many drakes in one bag, and then too many hens in another one, oh dude, that sets <laughs> me off like internally. It gives That's me funny. anxiety. Yeah.
0: See, I'm I'm definitely not that way. So I probably put all your stuff in the wrong stuff during the club. I'm just shoving decoys and in open slots and. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I I used to be really anal about it. I was like, I want one sentry, three feet or four feeders, and one rester in a six slot bag.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, that's one way to keep them organized. That's for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Because then you're able to grab stuff and know what you're grabbing. So you're not grabbing a bag and taking it to a pond hunt where you only need a dozen full bodies and you got eight sentries and two feeders. Yep. That could be problematic.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
1: So, what are these? What are these pet peeves of people?
0: Yeah. So we, we got a couple, um, couple pretty funny ones. So, get to the boat launch, and you and your buddy both thought the other one was th- was the one bringing the boat.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez! I have never experienced that.
0: No, I'm right there with you because I'm the in my group, I'm the only one that has a boat right now. So, um, I think Swamp Man will have a boat this year too. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it, it's usually me bringing the stuff. So I don't forget anything. Well, that's a lie. How
1: often, how often do you think that happens to people?
0: I hope not very often. <laughs> that would suck. That would be pretty oh bad.
1: I've never thought about that.
0: See, I can. The one thing that I'm always afraid of forgetting is forgetting the keys to the boat. Like I can see myself driving somewhere. I could drive like. That'd be terrible. You like drive four hours for a hunt or something, and you get there and you don't have the keys for your boat. There's literally, unless you know how to hotwire, there's no way to start your boat.
1: <laughs> oh, pull cord.
0: Um, some of pull cords don't start unless you have the key in there. You so you can't start the motor. What? Yeah, that's not mine. I, but- oh, I'm gonna
1: check that out. I gotta see if mine does that.
0: Both of mine There's are
1: There's a way to hotwire the solenoid though.
0: Yeah, you could you could hotwire the solenoid. You just have to do some YouTube videos and it would be a little sketchy because you'd probably you'd probably get it to work at the boat launch and then you'd try to come in and you couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> well, I've done it at a uh um on on a car before, so Okay. Probably pretty similar. Yeah. yeah, YouTube University. That'll get you through that.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah, if you don't have the keys though on both my um runner, which is a uh, A predator, and then on my vanguard, which is on the go devil, both those you have to have the key in in the on position to start them.
1: Your predator has a key, yeah. Oh, mine didn't have a key, my six and a half doesn't,
0: yeah. Mine's a 13, so I don't know if maybe they put them on in the 13s. I don't know. Actually, I think it's a separate unit, you can add it to your six and a half if you wanted to have an electric start.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to use that six, six and a half very much. Yeah, unless I true. take the layout boat
0: out. Mm-hmm. Uh, made it all the way to the launch, about forty-five minutes away. So this guy's telling his his own experience. This is Jim Jim Myers. He's a listener of the podcast. Oh, howdy, Jim, <laughs> if you're listening. And you realized I left my shotgun in the garage where I set it down to grab decoys. So
1: yep,
0: you've done that one. You forgot your your uh, your shotgun.
1: So I have forgotten. I don't think I've forgotten my shotgun before, but I have forgotten waders. And so here's, here's what I like to do. And I've actually forgotten kayak paddle, too. Um, <laughs> as I'm driving and I'm, like, leaving my neighborhood to go hunting, I'm running through a list in my head of everything that I needed for the day. And a couple of times I've had to turn around because I've forgotten something. Yeah. So uh, keep a checklist on the dash of your truck or really memorize what you need.
0: <laughs> I've seen this, the shotgun one thing is actually surprisingly common. There's a guy that we've hunted with a few times. I haven't hunted with him in a few years, but he's forgot his shotgun, like multiple hunts. And like, he, he would bring the bow, like the he forgets his gun. Like, so we'd literally, he'd still drive us out to the hunt set up and he just didn't shoot. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that would, that would be no fun. Um,
1: uh, I, I forgot my gun in the, uh, in the truck one time, actually. Um but I knew we were gonna have a lot of shooting opportunities on that hunt, so Mm -hmm. Blake limited out in like ten minutes, so then I started shooting.
0: Nice. Yeah, other big, big pet peeves are when I forget my calls. I've done that. You feel you feel naked out in the marsh. No calls.
1: So you keep an extra one in some little pocket in your bag.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that one, that's for sure. Um and then the other one I forgot is mojo wings. You go out there, you stick the mojo in the mud. You don't have mojo wings. It's like dang it.
1: Um, I don't know if I've done that.
0: Well, I mean, if you're keeping everything as organized,
1: I might've done done that once, but I don't use mojos that much. My new thing is pulsators and the motion ducks.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot pieces of the motion ducks. I forget a lot of things. I will say that's probably a weakness for me. I forgot, you know, having the jerk rig, I forgot the anchor. You can't use them without those things. So, um,
1: yeah, yeah. You could probably fashion an anchor if there's a stick around.
0: You could, you probably could.
1: if there's a, yeah, it might take some thinking
0: when I didn't have the cord, I'd still lay it out there cause it's just more decoys, but,
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Deciding to take apart your brand new shotgun in the blind 10 minutes before legal hours and a spring flew off of it into the field.
1: <laughs> bad idea. Why yeah. would you do that?
0: I don't know, man. That'd be, that would be a, a bad one. So
1: oh man, and you know, gun parts are hard to get and they take forever to show up most of the time. At least that's <laughs> what I've, I've known, you know? So yeah, <laughs> you lose a spring you got to wait 3 weeks for a new one to come in. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you'd be up a creek without a paddle. We got another one here where uh, a guy um said screw it and he took a dump in his waiters.
1: No way. <laughs> no.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And I would never do that.
0: Elliot's got a story too with uh with Golden Boy. It's been it's been told on the podcast before, so I'm not not breaking anything new. <laughs> so if Aiden, if you're listening, I'm not, you know, I, <laughs> but it's a funny story. So, um, he, he sharted his pants while he was in his waiter waiters. And he just finished out the hunt knowing, knowing <laughs> that it, it was like that. And he met up, he met up with somebody new in the marsh, right. They met up and hunted together. And so just partway through the hunt, he just, uh, you know, it's just, it just slipped. <laughs> And it's probably just, just
1: a little one, though.
0: Uh, the way that the Elliot tells a story, it was a little bit more than what would have been comfortable to, <laughs> to hunt through. But
1: Yeah. Some days you just don't question it, and you just find yourself a tree. Yep. That's yep. been a growing trend for me. Like I never had a poop issue in the mornings when I was hunting. But over the past couple of years, it's gotten progressively worse. <laughs> Is that like an old man thing now? It's like, probably a diet thing. You think
0: so? I think so. I think I think when I know I'm gonna be hunting and all that, like the night before, I'm like, I'm not gonna eat Taco Bell. Like, you know, it's just like
1: <laughs> Oh Well, I think it might be that I'm driving longer distances now. So I'm drinking my coffee and driving for like an hour mm. and so then when I get to the boat ramp, it's like, oh something's yeah. something's brewing.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely have that issue, so I make sure that I I get up before my hunts. I I save an extra half hour and just do it because what happens is you get up, you don't think you have to go, but you just start moving, you start running around, grabbing all your stuff, packing everything, and then, man, you have the urge, but it's time to leave. So then you hold it, and you hold it as long as you can Well, you make it through like the first couple of volleys of birds. So I had that happen a few times, and there's just no substitute to taking a dump in your toilet if i don't care how many baby wipes you got
1: <laughs> oh yeah this this is oddly making me excited about duck season yeah <laughs> just thinking about the crisp air on my butt <laughs> everybody knows the feeling yep
0: yeah. oh yeah
1: headlamp and all
0: man there's been a. will tell you swamp man had one where we uh we're out in the marsh and literally, there's like nowhere that we could get to without getting in the boat. He really had to go. And uh, have you ever had to take a, a dump with your waders still on? That's 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 how I'm going to lead into this story.
1: Yeah. One day, I took my waders completely off, and I was in the middle of a bean field in my sock taking a dump.
0: That's that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> but he had to. I said- he had to take his waders and like stretch them as far forward as he could. And then just like crouch down behind it. So that's what he did standing in the water.
1: <laughs> oh, he was in the water? Why didn't he go back to the boat and just hang over the edge?
0: Um, I don't know. That would have been a good option too. I think he put his back against the boat is what he did. So he pushed it forward and leaned against the back of the boat. So there's, yeah, different, there's different ways of handling it. <laughs> it seems like for whatever reason, Let's there's sure. a lot of crap stories that go along with duck hunting.
1: Let's start a poll. <laughs> a poll.
0: <laughs> have you taken cool. a have you have you taken a dump while duck hunting?
1: Have you ever sharted your waiters? Mm.
0: I think that there'd be a surprisingly large amount of people. As long if it was an anonymous, I think we'd get more yeses then. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right, here's one. It's a little illegal, but uh, worse feeling when duck hunting. That's an easy one. Seeing an Arkansas federal game warden pull up. Into your hole on public land when your mojo's out and you're floating your fourth shell into your gun that's hanging from a tree tree hook and you're not close enough to fix the situation. Yeah, well, you kind of screwed yourself on that one
1: <laughs> I, don't, I never understood why people do that.
0: I don't like, either. like there's not.
1: Yes, you can and you shouldn't, but you can, but there's no point by the time you're shooting your third shell they're getting out there.
0: So I mean, how can you do that with uh, cuz you have the restrictor the the restriction piece in there so you can only put three shells in, right?
1: So, here's how it works. is you load um basically you load your two in the magazine tube and you're able to with one in the chamber already, oh. you take your fourth one you slide it into that tube and in like the super black eagle original there was enough space between that little piece that flips up yeah i know what you're talking about you're able, you're able to get that shell enough forward to where it slings back huh. and floats
0: yeah now that makes sense but yeah it's like you said there's really barely any benefit to having a fourth shell because like no. how often do you pointless. even shoot three it's
1: pointless yeah that's a bad pet peeve. That just sounds like a poor decision.
0: <laughs> I think he's probably saying it is comical, but maybe it's maybe it really happened to him. I don't know. But that would yeah, that would not be a good feeling. So let's just uh skip the whole situation and only use three shells.
1: <laughs> yeah. I the- think one another pet peeve for um, for me is you tell somebody, Okay, we're gonna meet at four thirty. I'll be at your house pick you up at four thirty. And you're sitting there waiting for them to piddle around and get out of bed, and by the time you're leaving, it's five fifteen
0: yeah, yep, yeah. that's a bad one for sure i I can say that I've been guilty of of being a little late a couple of times, but i I try my my darndest not to
1: <laughs> yeah, i I think five or ten minutes isn't a big deal, but like if you're not even awake by the time I get to your house to pick you up that's that's a bit an of, of, of an annoyance,
0: yeah. I can definitely see that. Have you ever overslept a hunt? No, never. See, I, I've done it. I think I've done it twice. And, uh, oh man, I definitely, I felt so bad after i done it. I'm not gonna lie. It was the worst feeling ever. Um, you wake up, man. It's like just pure, uh, what's the right word? Like pure, like, <laughs> I can't think of the word to describe yep. it. No, not even guilt. Like I, it's panic. Like it's, utter panic when i wake up when i wake, when i did it last year and i was i was supposed to meet the kevins in michigan it was like the fifth day of hunting in a row you know how you get like oh yeah you just been grinding it through the week and then we got to the weekend and it was it was a sunday and we just hunted the day before we killed some birds and like we talked about the whole plan we had it planned out and i was like we're gonna i'm gonna bring my boat we're gonna do this thing that's a little unique trying to get into this spot and then i just slept through my alarm and i was just so pooped i slept through my alarm i woke up oh man it was like panic i was like oh crap like the sun's out (laughs) and it was oh man i was i felt so bad so um that's probably that's the worst i've ever done right there um literally waking up like and they probably were halfway through their limit or whatever but yeah so that's a good that's a good pet peeve to have i would be the same way i'd be i'd be pretty ticked but they were super understanding Maybe, maybe another, to my face.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they're probably talking another trash. Pet peeve, another pet peeve is, um, you know, if you go crash at somebody's house and then you're gonna go hunt with them in the morning and they don't have a coffee pot. Mm. I've learned that's why I always travel with one.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I'm not a big coffee guy, so I'm like, I'm okay with like substituting for like a monster, or like a, I'm out and Dew. Do. <laughs> that doesn't cut yeah. it for you.
1: That will, but sometimes there's no like convenience store to stop at that's open.
0: That's true. Yeah. Have you thought about uh, instead of making breakfast, what if you uh, started taking like a single, a single propane burner and making your own coffee right there in the blind?
1: Oh, I've thought about it. My boat has a uh, cigarette outlet in it. Oh yeah. So I'm actually I can just probably plug my inverter into my. A boat battery and run a regular coffee pot nice but i don't think i need to because i i'd never go through my full thermos in a hunt <laughs> i like keeping things simple like yeah it'd be fun but there's no point if i can just set the timer on the coffee pot and pour my thermos when i leave in the morning yeah that was a big change because i used to be real big into the energy drinks
0: Maybe that like, that's probably your uh, your issue with being more regular on the hunts.
1: I, I mean, when I was in college, man, I was drinking two or three energy drinks a hunt. Yeah. But then I just stopped. Mm. Just started drinking coffee. But I, I always I always drank coffee too. But I always had the energy drink one before the hunt, one after, and then one in the afternoon to get me through.
0: Nice yeah i'm right there i I still do the energy drinks but i try to like minimize it because i feel like if i drink too many of them i feel like garbage so it's like i'm like kind of like a one a one energy drink kind of (laughs) guy
1: oh yeah and i I, last year i started drinking those Rains. i have not tried those yet i was really into them for a while but then i realized you know after i drink these and like six hours later i feel like absolute garbage Mm -hmm. so i stopped drinking them
0: all right, next next pet peeve here, and this probably you know we'll see we'll see what you say about it. All your buddies get an invite to <clears throat> to Skeeter Pond except you,
1: dude. Skeeter Pond is the best. <laughs> Jordan, can we take a trip to Skeeter Pond?
0: If uh, I knew where it was, it's actually in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get you know have have you ever had that where you're you're not invited to the hunt?
1: Um. Yeah, a couple of times, but I don't get too butt hurt about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know. More hunt. With us, it's like we hunt so much. It's like if you miss a hunt here and there, it's not too bad. But yeah. the 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 real way to put this pet peeve is all right. So you have a spot. It's on public land, and somebody goes and hunts that spot without you, and you don't get the invite to somebody you took. That would be the real pet peeve, right? You got somebody's burning your spot.
1: I I don't ever take anybody on public that I don't have a close relationship with.
0: I'm saying that's a, that's a thing that happens for sure.
1: Oh yeah, people. It probably happens frequently, but I've I've never experienced that myself. Because I mean, if I'm on public, I'm usually by myself. Mm-hmm. Honestly.
0: Yeah, there's an unwritten rule on public land, so we'll just we'll just hit on that for all the new guys out there. There's an unwritten rule on public land if there's a spot that someone takes you to on public land that you had no prior knowledge to, you wouldn't have checked out yourself, you didn't have it pinned on on n x there's no way like it's someone else's spot like yes, it is public land legally you can hunt it, but the unwritten rule is if someone else showed it to you it's uh it's not it's not up for free game because that's a quick way for you to never be invited on a hunt by that guy again. <laughs> And I think I people, think it
1: also depends on like how deep into it are you going. Like, is it very a very surface level? Like, here's the marsh we're hunting. Yeah, and then you just go hunt the same marsh, or yeah. is it like we're going to go take a boat ride three miles up the river and into this back holler over here, and then hunting this flooded timber? That's a little different, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, you.
0: It's, it's a special, like especially like if it's someone's honey hole. Like, Hey, this is my best spot. I try to hunt, you know, it's like, it's there's, there's unwritten rules that go into it for sure. So, um,
1: I mean, I took you to my best spot.
0: Yeah. Well, how, how would you feel if the next week you went, you rolled up in there and some guy's waving his headlamp and it was me.
1: (laughs) I'd be okay with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, more power to you then.
1: It would probably take a minute for us to realize that it was uh, (laughs) that we were In the same marsh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's a little different in Kansas, but it feels like, man, we don't have, we barely have enough spots to go around where I'm at. So it's a little, little, gets a little tight-lipped on on public land spots that you're hunting and all that.
1: Well, I I try to avoid the crowds, honestly. I look before I even get out of the truck. If if there's somebody at a a parking lot, I go to the next one. Mm Mm-hmm. I always have like three options in the morning. Yeah. Because if I'm able to, especially since I'm hunting public solo, I'm happy with two to three birds. Like if you're hunting with four or five guys though, two or three birds, it's really not that great of a day for most groups. But solo, two to three birds, it's a great day. So if I'm able to just get away from the crowds and have a couple of birds decoy, I'm a happy guy.
0: Oh, yeah. I hear you, man. That's honestly, that's a big part of why I love wood duck hunting. Um, if I feel like some of those spots are just tucked away, you don't have near as much competition and it, it's just a three bird limit. And man, it really isn't that hard to, to limit on wood ducks if you got the birds there. So, um, I'm a huge fan of early season wood ducks. I really do wish we had them around longer, but, uh, also I don't envy some of the, the far Southern States where that's all they have. I like having, I like, I like having it as an option. It it almost feels like it's just a different, different ball game than, than straight mallard hunting. Um, I get after the wood ducks, but you guys really don't get that too much in Kansas. Do you,
1: I can count on two hands. How many wood ducks I've shot? Really? Yeah.
0: Do you have any desire? or You just kind of more like you'd rather shoot mallards all day.
1: Oh, I'd rather shoot mallards, but I like, I like some wood ducks coming through. I really wish we had more pintails and widgeon. Yeah, and fully plumed spoonies. <laughs> Every spoonie I've shot in Kansas has been round.
0: You see that? Uh, you see that spoonie we shot? Um, actually, I think it was Matt shot it. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I was jealous of that one.
0: That one was pretty cool.
1: I would I'm have, hoping this new spot that I found is going to produce some spoonies for me.
0: Yeah, we saw a lot of spoonies on that day uh, on that hunt. We just didn't shoot. But that one Drake, so I would have mounted it, man. I know people probably think you're crazy, but I think I think they, they look pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I want to take a trip to, like, Utah or California or somewhere out west and <laughs> shoot a full limit of spoonies.
0: <laughs> if only we knew a guy.
1: And mount all of them. Yeah. Imagine just having – I mean, what is over there? Six, seven,
0: seven. seven yeah, each seven.
1: Just having like seven Drake spoonies mounted on your wall, just dumping in.
0: That'd be pretty cool. You've seen like you've seen the teal mounts, right? Where they do that, and just have a whole kind of ball of them coming.
1: <laughs> yeah, except it's spoonies.
0: Yep, you know, I'd be down if you had the pocketbook, right? <laughs> That's you know, some places two fifty a bird. That's a pretty penny.
1: Yeah, but it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Nice.
1: I've never mounted a bird, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Really? I don't have a single mount in my house.
0: Nice. Is that gonna change?
1: I don't know. I mean I don't really have much of a desire. Like it'd be cool, but I don't know.
0: I definitely have a desire to do to get some mounts, some more mounts and all that. These are the ones I have behind me you're seeing are my grandpa's, so Mm. I personally don't have any yet either. I've been very close to doing it a bunch, but what well, happens like, the last few hey, years I've been trying to shoot a mallard to mount. And what happens is, um, I say, okay, I'm going to wait till I get a really well plumed out fat Northern bird in the last week of the season. And then like everyone I get, is just like destroyed or it's it just mashed up or whatever. And I've just never get a good one in the last week. So, um, I keep holding off, but once I get that, that pintail Drake, I I promise you that one's going on the wall. Oh yeah. For sure. All right, man. Well, I think it's probably a good place to wrap it up. So really appreciate you coming on. You got any uh, kind of closing words or anything you want to say?
1: I want to say that I believe in Jordan and his (laughs) conquest of the Drake pintail. Everybody needs to donate a dollar to him on Patreon, so then, <laughs> um, he can afford pintail decoys. I got, I him. got one. <laughs> one pintail decoy. I got one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, but all seriousness, it's been fun. Um, if you guys want to go, check out my podcast, my YouTube channel, Outdoor Limits. Um, check out the Flyways Collective. Heck yeah! That, that's about it. I mean. That,
0: yeah for real yeah appreciate you coming on like you said guys check them out uh, over there outdoor limits outdoor limits podcast they've been killing it over there starting this year and, and rolling into season so it'll be fun to see where you guys taking on that and um we got the collab coming on further this year so I'm that m- probably the first time we hunt together going into next year um or next this this coming season so super excited for that you guys stay tuned we got some cool details. Um, I know we're both already super excited for that week, so it's going to be another good one. But um, I think that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Josh from Outdoor Limits, and we'll see you guys on the next one.